Hello, everybody. My name is Josh Tyler. I'm the National College Advisory Program Director for Rush Soccer, the largest youth soccer club in the world. And today we are chatting with Dylan Grunzel, who's the head women's soccer coach at Bethany College in Kansas. Also, he is with Kansas Rush Wichita. We chat about what the NAIA season looks like and how it may change the college landscape forever. Also, his love for cheesecake, coffee, and potato skins. This episode is brought to you by the Rider Neck Hammock. I'm telling you, if you have neck pain, this is for you. You can find it exclusively on Amazon. That's Rider Neck Hammock, R-I-T-E-R-R, Neck Hammock, exclusively on Amazon. You're listening to Cap Chat, the number one soccer recruitment podcast in the United States. This is Cap Chat. Dylan, how are you today, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm good. Million, million bucks. Happy to talk to you. Yeah, good to talk to you as well. As I said, we probably haven't seen each other in a while unless it's through a, through a phone or a screen of some sort. So it's always, always good to see a familiar face. Yeah. So now prior to Bethany College, you were in Division II, um, and then now you became the head coach here. So let's talk about – so you get some good experience, um, different different perspectives. So let's talk about what what is the NAIA. Uh, NAIA is the – I think it's National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics. So it's not really tied. It's just like a, a, a different governing body as there is with the NCAA – NJCAA, NCCAA, just a, a different governing body for. Okay, so, so let's dive into Bethany College. Where are you located at? We're in Lindsburg, Kansas. Lindsburg, Kansas. How big of a town is Lindsburg, Kansas? There's about 3,200 people in Lindsburg. There's not a stoplight. Not, not even a stoplight. Not even a stoplight. What kind of uh, fast food restaurants do you have? Uh, I want to say two: Pizza Hut and Subway. Dude, there every I went to small I went to Culver Stockton College and like every small town has has a Pizza Hut and a Subway. Like Pizza's like the staple of every small town. <laughs> right. I was kind of surprised we didn't have a Sonic because you see a lot of those in small towns as well. But not Lindsburg. And so the the big misconception that people have with with NAIA is it's it's a lower level, right? Um, which I is unfortunate a misconception. But what what's the what's the answer to that? Um, I think at any level of soccer, at any of the ones I just mentioned, you're going to have, you know, phenomenal teams. You're going to have good teams. You're going to have average teams and you're going to have bad teams. Um, so that's uh, I think it's, you know, that it's unfortunate there's that misconception. But that's, you know, just something in my experience, you know, when I was, uh, you know, at a division two as an assistant, you know, we played some really, really good teams. Um, and then we played some really bad teams. Uh, you know, we had a chance to scrimmage, you know, junior colleges that were really good, junior colleges that were not good. And then same with the NAI level and even some division ones, like we were able to compete with some of the mid-major division ones at times. And so it's, I think it's actually to be able to be in the inside of it and see it in that perspective. It kind of opens your eyes a little bit. It's just, you know, how do you convey that message to the potential student athlete going forward is always the, the hard part. Yeah, for, for sure. And they always say, Oh, I'm going to, you know, they think, uh, I guess I'll play in AI. You know, and I played in AI, and I had an absolute blast. Um, I think it was it was fantastic. So, um, you know, we, we would, I'm with you, we would play, when I was coaching Division Two. we would play Division Three team, 
Uh, and man, they just whooped the crap out of us. <laughs> and same thing in AI. We'd scrimmage in AI in the, in the, in the spring and, and, and just run us to death, you know. So um, such high levels at NAI. So how are you, you guys, NAI is the only, conf- or only division fully planned. How's that, how's that going for you guys? Well, I know with, with each conference kind of has their own rules. You know, NAI originally cut us down to, I believe, 14 games. Um, and then they decided to open it back up. Um, but the conference has had to kind of change things. So what our conference did in the KCAC, um, we're, we're playing one game a week. Uh, we're playing all Saturdays. Uh, we'll play 10 of our conference games in the fall, and then two of them are in the spring, uh, like kind of your probably late February, early March, somewhere in there. They haven't set dates for those yet. Uh, and then you'll have your conference tournament, and they'll have the national tournament all in the spring after you finish. Uh, one of the reasons they did that is just they built in some kind of like a makeup time um, just in case, you know, something happens with COVID or, you know, that's the big thing to where you can have a makeup game. Um, that way you can push games to the spring if needed. Uh, so that's kind of how they organized their schedule. They gave us, they said you could have two preseason games, which we have two preseason games. Um, you know, and they left it kind of up to the schools to uh, decide if they want non-conference. We ultimately made the decision not to because um, our schedule, like I said, it's every Saturday, which worked out real well. And during our bye week, uh, we have those two scrimmages kind of a couple days apart. So it, it kept our schedule pretty fluid. It kept us rolling. So that was a good setup for us. I've been really excited to talk to you um, from NAI because there's always been this push to, to split season, much like the pros do, you know, and, and I think NAI may change the collegiate landscape because you're going to you play in one game a week, which is awesome because it's really tough playing two games uh, um, in a week at the college level. So now you get to play one game a week. You get to rest your players, and then you play again in the in the spring for a championship. I mean, I, I mean that seems incredible, right? Right. Yeah. So you give a. Like I said, I think the the, I think players going into college, they think that they can handle it just like they did in high school, playing two games a week, and that's just not the case. Like I said, it's a longer game. Obviously, you play ten more minutes. It's a more physical game because you're 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 not playing fifteen year old kids anymore. You're playing twenty two year old adults. Mm-hmm. Um, that have been through the rigors of the college game, that have gone through strength and conditioning, and so they're just a better athlete. Um, and so I think that's harder, you know, becomes harder on the body. Um, and so you have to allow that ample time of recovery. That's something I've always been big on is how are we recovering as a group because we want to be able to play the same level we did, you know, in game 16, 17, 18 that we did in game two, three, and four. Um, and sometimes that just doesn't happen because the bodies are just worn down. So I'm, I'm really excited with that, how they spread us out and how it gives us a chance to recover. And then we can properly train and, and be ready to go for our next opponent. Out, outside of COVID, I know you guys are forced to, to do this split season. If this would happen to continue, so let's say, in the, you know, next fall, you guys say this, this split season worked really, really well. What are some of the the negatives you're hearing? Like, what's the kickback for the split season? Um, I wouldn't. I don't know if they're negatives. I'd say the questions that they'd have to kind of sort out, which I think would be relatively easy. It's just how eligibility works. Um, you know, within from one to the other, I think it's going to have to become a similar model to like what they do for you know men and women's basketball because they're a, obviously a split semester sport. Um, I think that you may have to worry a little bit about 
how has your your team look from the fall compared to the spring? You know, do you have any retention issues that can come up? You know, those are always things that can happen at some of the, uh, you know, NAI schools or smaller schools. Um, so I think those are some of the negatives. Um, and then for me, you know, I always enjoyed the spring season when I was an assistant because it got gave us a chance to really just focus on the player and developing the overall player as an individual. And then you better prepare them for the fall. Um, so I think that's something that can, depending on what the coach's mindset is at all, is that it kind of takes that away from them a little bit. Yeah, you can try to add that in. But, you know, with, with right now, the fall, it's more of a we're trying to win games. And then in the spring, it's kind of a focus on we're trying to better the individual and the overall team. Uh, so that may you'd have to kind of schedule a little bit better on how you try to focus on those things. So that could be a negative depending on how the coach views it. Yeah, that's that's true. You know, but when when you play two games a week, you always have a off day. You know, so you know you you play Tuesday, Thursday, Friday is going to have to be a recovery day. You know, so is Wednesday. So you really a, a six days a week of, of practice. You get two maybe intense days of training. Whereas now, if you play every Saturday, you're off Sunday. You come back Monday, and you're able to get three, four days of a pretty intense training in. Um, unless I'm looking at that, I mean, you're in the middle of it. So is that kind of what you're looking at? Yeah, I think that, you know, one thing I did like about our schedule previously that we were a Wednesday, Saturday. So it gave us a time to, you know, play Wednesday, recover Thursday, train Friday, play Saturday, they'd get Sunday off. And then you kind of get back into it Monday, Tuesday. You know, when I was at division two, it was play a Thursday, rest Saturday or rest Friday, play Saturday, mandatory day off on Sunday. So I like the way the NAI schedules it, but you're, you're right. It's spreading it out kind of aids in the training and the recovery altogether. Cause so you can give them a day off or two days if needed. And then you get, you know, three or four days of training and then you play a game again. So like I said, I think there's a, the positives in that. And I see why I think division one men's soccer, or women's soccer, both of them are looking to move to that schedule. Um, and like I said, I see the positives in it. It's just, I think it's going to depend on the coach on what they want and you know, how driven you are with your program of, how you want to approach that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and it does hurt with recruitment wise, because in the spring, if you guys are still competing, like you said, you in spring is more individual development, but now if you're competing for championships, it, you focus more on that instead of getting out there recruiting. some. right. And I think the, re the recruiting part comes into that as well is a lot of people invest a lot of time in recruiting in the spring or in the winter. Um, whereas if you're playing all year round or a good chunk of the seasons, well, when do you get out and go recruit? Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, I think from a coach, I mean, that could be more time away from your family than you'd like. Uh, yeah. So I think that can, you know, that's always a big part for, I think, coaches is, you know, I got to see my family because this, you know, this is always a job that you take home with you. It's not a job you leave at the office, it's not a nine to five. Um, so it's, you know, you have to think of how's that factor into your personal life of seeing your family and hanging out with your kids or whatever it may be. So I think they said there's the positives and negatives, I guess, out of it. ACT, SAT, um, a lot of schools are waiving. Has NAI waived that requirement? Um, not yet. Um, I, I'm curious if they will since NCAA is doing it. Um, like I said, I think there's goods and bads with it. I think it always helps with, like, scholarship on the academic side for a lot of schools. Um, you know, I, I know it's something that we look, we've looked at in the past. Well, and the important thing is then, since NAI still requires it, 
there's so much confusion happening because um, Bethany College will give you money for, for good test scores, right? Right. Yeah, it helps in your academic package. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and so now kids are not studying for ACT like, well, NCAA waived it. Well, your individual school may require it. NAIA sir requires it. Every coach I'm talking to is like, it always comes out. We got to keep studying for the ACT or SAT. For, for you, best way to get noticed. Um, you've been in this college game for quite some time. So what's the best way for a, a player to get noticed or to stand out for you? Um, you know, I like, I like players that send, uh, that when they contact me, it's very personable. Um, is, you know, how are you, how are you connecting to my program personally? Um, did you, like, you know, if somebody emailed, you know, me at about Bethany and said, hey, I noticed you guys finished fourth in your conference last year at this record. Um, it showed they did a little bit of research and that for me, it's like, well, they put in a little bit of work. I'm going to put in some work to talk with them and see how they may fit our program. Um, I think that that's always important, you know, whether it's phone, email, text message, I'd say text message and email are a lot easier just because I don't know how many spam calls I get a day on my phone. So it's just like, I just don't answer those. And if you're going to do that, obviously a voicemail, um, but you know, I, you know, with, with coaching, you mean your emails on your phone now. So it's like a text message anyway. Um, so those are things that, you know, I, I'm, I'm good with as far as are they connecting with me on a personal level? Are they sending me a highlight film that makes sense? Um, those are things that I really like to see is just a good three to five minute highlight film showing some things they can do on the ball. Um, as well as even some things off the ball. How do they move off the ball and so on? So you, you mentioned highlight videos. What's, what's the worst highlight video you've seen? Uh, when a field player sends me just penalty kicks. <laughs> I've never seen that. <laughs> you've gotten that one. Yeah, I think I got one a couple weeks ago. I, I saw they sent me a highlight film of like eight penalty kicks. That was it. Did, did they make all eight? <laughs> just... Uh, yeah, they made all of them. That was a positive, <laughs> I guess. But I just, you know, it's, you know, I email them back and say, um, do you have anything of you playing the actual game besides the, the, the those or they said just freak, you know, anything of a set piece variety. I'm just like, you know, you're not really, you're not really showing me much. <laughs> so. That's funny. I've never, I've never heard of that one or, or, or seen someone do penalty kicks. Like, Hey, here's me shooting on an eight foot, net 12 yards out <laughs> what's the worst email you've gotten or worst email address or does anything stand out for you um you could tell that they wrote an email and uh they just forgot to change everything so it was like dear coach grunsel uh, i'm really interested in this university well, they forgot to change the university and it went it was a complete <laughs> school in our conference too so that you know that just rubs a little salt in the wound and i'm just like and of course, my response is, "Dear such and such, we are not whatever the school was sent." <laughs> so that was just a little. It's just proofread your emails. Is my is my best information that I can give them. There is that was the worst one by far. All right, so we had some people submit some questions, and then we're going to do rapid fire. It, it seems that some high schoolers in every sport have the attitude they don't play D one, they don't want to play it at all. What kind of talent have you seen come through? The other divisions. Um, so you were at Division Two and then NAIA. So, um, what kind of talent have you seen come through? Um, you know, I think we've, you know, when I when I got to Bethany, I was pleasantly surprised of what the talent was. Um, you know, whether that was the, what the old coach had brought in and the players 
um, or just the school itself that brought those players to it. Um, you know, I, I think it, you know, you get to a certain level and you start to see those things and you wonder what it's like. And being at the division two level for so long, you kind of, you hear those things. Oh, NAI is not very good. It's not very good. But then to actually get there and train those players and see those kids train every day. And, you know, there, there's a lot of very talented players, a lot of very technical players. I mean, that's something that they always say does not exist at that level is the talent. And I was thoroughly impressed with the talent we have as a collective group. Um, and there's, there's kids out there that the girls are like, Oh, you better watch out for her at this school. She's very, very good. Um, so I, I think there's just like kind of a misconception of what it is. And I think, for players, they actually need to go out and experience that. Like you can say that, well, if I don't go D1, I'm not going to play. But do you know what the town is like at the D2 level or the NAI level or the junior college level? There's so many different, like I said, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. There's good teams and there's bad teams at every level. You can, there's, I'm sure there's a division one school out there that is absolutely terrible. Okay. And whether, you know, whatever that, whatever that circumstance is, there's always different things that happen. The same thing is, there's obviously a lot of very, very good Division One teams, and that's at every level. Um, so my advice for players is go experience it first. Just don't read into the hype. Go train with an NAI school. Go train with the D2 school. Kids, like on my club team in Wichita, it's, well, I, I only want to go NCAA. Well, have you trained with a junior college? Have you trained with an NAI school? Do you know how good they are? Go experience it, and then let me know. All right, so here's another question that was submitted is, uh, what is your coaching methodology? Um, you know, I take a little bit of a, a player centered or democratic approach, um, just to have, you know, I want the players to feel ownership in the program. I don't want them to feel like they're just a number or, or they have to listen to me or it's my way or the highway. Um, you know, I want them to have some skin in the game. Um, you know, have, you know, I think on the field is have freedom to be the creative player. Um, you know, there's different styles of play and, you have these machine styles as they do in Germany. And then you have these, you know, kind of a Brazilian style where there's freedom to play the game as, you know, with moves and, and flair and everything. So I think I, I like a little bit of a mixture of both on the field is I want us to have an idea of how we're going to play, but I also want my players to have the freedom to do that. Um, and like I said, I going to the program as a whole, like I, I love for my players to, have fun with it and enjoy it and be passionate about it because that's the only way they're going to get better and want to get better is you know, how passionate can they be about not only the program on the field, but the program off the field. And another submitted question was what formation do you plan on applying this season? <clears throat> I don't want all my other conference teams to figure that out yet. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. We'll, sk we'll skip that. What, what'll be, what's your favorite formation? If you could play any formation, um, you know, my favorite formation is usually the one that I've never done before. And, and what I mean by that, I love the idea of training a new shape that I've never worked on because it, it gives me excitement to dive into it and try to, okay, how do I teach, you know, three, five, two or four, two, three, one to my players? Um, you know, I said, I've, I think I've, I've ran a four, three, three, I've ran a three, five, two, I've ran a four, two, three, one. And so it's like, how can I try something a little bit different and have some success with it? Um, you know, I think my, four, my favorite though, if I had to pick, uh, is probably, you know, I love a three, five, two. I really yeah. have, if you can find three good center backs, I'll pick that all day long just cause I just love the numbers in the midfield. I love the ideas of the combinations. I think it's big for me that every other team plays a four, three, three, so I can outnumber them in the midfield and 
hope my center backs are better than their strikers. And that's usually what it comes down to. You know, I'm in, I'm in such the same book because you do see, you see the trends, you know, a couple of years ago is the four five one, but now it's for sure is a four three three. And you see that trend and, and I am, I'm with you. I love the three, five, two, love it. Love it. Um, yeah. So I always want to be different. I'm with you. Like, I, I don't want to run what everyone else does. Right. I like to be, I like to be different. That's always, like, I don't, I, you know, I've had success with that. I always like to be a little bit odd and different than everybody else. And it's been successful for me so far. So I like try to just keep building off that. So let's compare NAIA to D2. So you're with division two and now NAIA. What's your, what's the difference of, of a schedule and level of commitment for the players? If, if any, at, at both levels. Um, the schedule, you know, I, I would say that I, I try to run, you know, our program very similar to how we ran it at my previous school, just cause I felt like we had so much success there. And I felt like, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, I would say, you know, we're open to do a lot more at the NAI level, as far as like the hours that you have on the ball, like you can go 24 weeks throughout the entire academic year and you have a max of 20 hours. Whereas NCAA, you know, we were, you had to declare a spring season. You were limited in off season as far as how much time you could be on the ball. So that's a positive that I've liked about it is that we can get our players on the ball, whether it's individual groups, team training, weightlifting, conditioning, it doesn't matter. You know, we just have the 20 hour rule. Um, so I think that was the big difference I saw from the training aspect. Um, as far as the level of play, you know, the biggest thing I've seen just based on the experiences so far is probably from top to bottom. Um, I think that, you know, for schools we've played against, you can see that they have good players, but you can also see, you know, kind of where the, their roster sits. There's a, there's, they get to a point it kind of drops off a little bit. Um, whether that's a a financial reason, whether that's, you know, just a bad recruiting year, whatever it may be. Um, that's the biggest difference I've seen is just the overall depth from top to bottom. So let's talk about Rush for a second. Kansas Rush, Wichita. You guys are doing some really cool things up there. But I want to, I guess, with you being a college coach and also being a part of a club, what do you see? How do you see Rush helping our kids? And what's the advantage of Rush for, for our high school age kids looking to play in college? You know, for me, being a college coach and coaching, you know, within Rush, Wichita, it's definitely, you know, originally at Bethany, we didn't even have, we had, didn't have a single Kansas kid on our roster before this year. Um, majority California kids. Um, I think it's kind of opened up that avenue for Bethany. Um, whereas I have so many strong connections within Wichita Rush that we're able to recruit very well out of there. Like, our, you know, we have a kid committed for our 21 classes out of Wichita. Um, and then we had one come in last year and we had a kid out of Topeka. So I think it's opened that up a little bit. Um, but I think with Rush as a whole, uh, it just establishes a connection pretty much anywhere in the country and in the world. Um, you know, I think I emailed you, you know, last spring and said, Hey, I'm looking for a few players. Can you help me out? And then you sent out an email blast and post some stuff on social media, you know, which is, you know, an instant connection. Um, so I, I like that, um, that part of it where, you know, I can be instantly connected to other parts of rush throughout the country, you know, with the, with an email or a phone call. Cool. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're, I'm biased towards Rush, and I think you are probably a little bit as well, but I think our Rush kids have an advantage that no one else, no other clubs can do. I think there's such a huge advantage for them. Right. I mean, that's, you know, that's always something that always drew me to how we work as Rush. You know, I think they call it Rush National, but in reality, I mean, we're worldwide. So it's just, mm-hmm. 
nobody else that has that. Nobody is even close. Um, that's what I've always been impressed with Rush. and Just a well-oiled machine from top to bottom, not only within Rush National, but also within, uh, you know, just in with my club alone, like I think that's always a compliment. Again. It's just a well-oiled machine mm-hmm. and a bunch of checks and balances that everybody follows. And it's great. You know, I love it. So like I said, it's a club I really, really enjoy being with. Do you have any advice for, for players overall, if you could give some advice for the recruitment process? Um, <clears throat> do your research, I think would be the, the number one thing. Um, make sure that you're focusing on the academic side. Uh, and just because, you know, this, yeah, you can play the next two to four years of soccer. Um, that's, you know, obviously that's a big decision itself, but you also have to realize that you're trying to plan for the next 30 to 40, 50 years of your life with your career. Um, and so I think that's always got to be number one. Um, you know, I've, I, I, I'll never knock a player for not picking me because they wanted to get into like a, a nursing program. We don't have a nursing program. We're probably not the best fit for you. Um, and, and I'll always be honest with players in that aspect is yeah, I think obviously do your research and make sure academic is your number one priority. That should be the first thing. And, and if that doesn't work, then it's probably not a good fit. There's probably somewhere else that'll be a better fit for you. So that's my biggest thing. And, uh, and, and obviously the research part ties in not only to the school, but obviously to where you are as a player. Um, are you going to fit that coach's style? Are you going to fit that level of play? Do you understand if, are you going to come in and play right away? Are you going to have to sit and develop? Do you have a chance to play at all? Those are things that I think as a player, you have to answer those questions. Are you good with going to that school? Because even though you're going to sit on the bench all four years, you know, yes. those are the questions you have to answer as a player. Um, and what's, you know, what's, what is your happiness in the college soccer world? So I think that's what they have to look at. Well, let's play rapid fire questions. <laughs> All right, rapid fire questions. Uh, what's your favorite cereal? Uh, special K. Huh. Wife got yeah, me onto it. They're special. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's got the little strawberries in it and everything. What's your favorite board game? Monopoly. Really? Have you ever finished a game of Monopoly? Uh, one time when I was like 14. <laughs> <laughs> November 1st, when I was 14 years old. Longest day of my life. <laughs> yeah. Took like seven hours, but I did beat my parents, so that's always possible. <laughs> nice. They probably just gave up. Yeah, probably. They probably just said, you can just have everything. We want to go to bed. <laughs> What's your favorite uh, beverage, just in general? Coffee. What's the best compliment you've ever received? <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, I have pretty eyes. Was it from your mom <laughs> yeah, when you're exactly. playing Monopoly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's my mom and my wife. They're the only yeah. people to tell me those things. <laughs> they try to build my self-esteem for me. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta make Dylan feel good. Who's um who's made Dylan feel good today? What is your what's your favorite kind of birthday cake? Uh, cheesecake. If you could be any animal, what would you be? <laughs> a lion. Toilet paper over or under? <laughs> under. Under? I have no, I have no idea. I just picked oh, one. <laughs> you are special, Kay. Making your toilet paper under. You have one food for the rest of your life. What would you have? Uh, chicken wings. Oh, I love it. It's the only time. I don't eat them at home very often. It's just when I travel. It's kind of my, because I don't I don't drink beer. A lot of people go to a local place and say, hey, "I want to try your local beer." I want to try the chicken wings. I always oh. go. With, I go with potato skins. I always like try the potato skins. That's your go-to. Yeah, usually if they have some, I'll I'll, I'll roll with that. Unless I'm in Kansas City, then it's always barbecue. It's got to be barbecue. Got to yeah. be barbecue in Kansas City. Kansas City or Memphis? It's got to be barbecue. Which what what barbecue do you like better, Kansas City or Memphis? 
Uh, you know, they're just, it's the way they're cooked is so different. Because mm-hmm. in Kansas City, it's usually like a wet rub. Um, and then in Memphis, it was like a dry rub. I think I went to Rendezvous, that back, the back alley one. Oh, when when they don't take, they're all family members and they, they don't write your order down. Yeah, yeah, it's just all, it was nice. So, yeah. I, I like both. I think I always prefer Kansas City. I think maybe it's just because I go there all the time. So that's probably why. All right. What is your what is your kryptonite? Like snack or what is something that you just you you have a weakness for? Uh, cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, if it's in the fridge, like my wife knows it's not going to last long. So anytime we get it, like I just ate a piece today. She's probably going to come home and be like, who ate the last piece? Then she's just going to stare at me. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. it's, it's a gift and a curse, I guess. <laughs> you're lucky you're not 500 pounds. Yeah, exactly. Chicken wings, coffee, and cheesecake is, is the daily Dylan grind. Got to, you know, have it with my coffee. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, that's, that's, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. And, yeah, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Cap Chat, the number one soccer recruitment podcast in the United States. Be sure to check back every two weeks for new episodes of Cap Chat exclusively on the Rush Podcast Network. My name is Josh Tyler, and this is Cap Chat.